Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And uh, here we are at the end of a weekend of a few games, few rugby, but few rugby. You little know what little I mean. rugby, but few games. L- little rugby, few games, but lots to talk about, nevertheless. And that's exactly what we intend to do again, as we do for you every single Monday, 52 weeks a year in our eighth season and counting. Uh, welcome to the Rugby Dungeon with me, Tim, uh, opposite JB. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And I'm down the line. Oh, and I'm down the line from Phil, uh, who is in the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container. Hello, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Any new musical genres um, you got into this week? Anyone, gents? No, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe one. <laughs> Phil, maybe I might have dabbled a little bit in uh, some some sea shanties, perhaps. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that I looked up the Falmouth Sea Shanty Fest, which I did actually. Do you know that the Sea Shanty Fest is in Falmouth, Phil? I, I do now. That's well, a lovely, that would be a lovely place to visit. And a lovely coincidence. Maybe we could spend a, I don't know, a weekend in Flushing again. Yeah. Lovely. It, it's a, anyone that thought the weirdness in the world was going to end on the 31st <laughs> of December 2020, the, the, the new viral hit with kids is sea shanties now <laughs> this is such a 2000 and something story whatever we can't say 2021 because we don't know what's going to happen yet but in general because the story in a lot of ways is not about the talented individual that wrote it it's not even about the people who originally sung sea shanties and why they were sung so the rhythm to match the job of the job on the ship and that's why you did it and it's not even about all the people on TikTok layering, layering these things. It's about four blokes who had a random <laughs> picture taken, have no idea what was going on, and now they're kind of semi-famous for being deep-faked singing a sea shanty. If you don't know <laughs> what we're talking about, honestly, you, you have a level of focus on things outside of social media that I envy. Yeah, you've probably got multiple properties and you, know, you hold down a really high-level <laughs> job. You've got, you've got things to be doing, is, is what I'd guess. Well, do you know what? I don't have things to be doing. Which, <laughs> Same. Which is why I have this for you, gents. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Where is it? Have you turned on your phone? No, no, no. Hold on. Waiting. 
that once was a podcast about rugby. The names of the host, Tim, Phil, JB. The drink of choice was a Negroni. Oh, let the boys play. Soon may the rugby games come to bring us rock and maul and scrum. One day when the season is done, we'll take our leave and go. JB went to a wedding party and he was impaled on a tree. He called for the doctor to come and see, but said, please, not my wife. Soon may the rugby games come to bring us rock and maul and scrum. One day when the season is done, we'll take our leave and go. Phil had a garden full of ponds, but his wife declared they all be gone. So all he's left with is his lawn and he let the koi carp go. Soon may the rugby games come to bring us rock and maul and scrum. One day when the season is done, we'll take our leave and go. Tim blacked his way onto TV. You'll see his wrists on the rugby. They must be desperate at BTJB. Would love a go. Soon may the rugby games come to bring us rock and maul and scrum. One day when the season is done, we'll take our leave and go. There once was a podcast Ooh. about rugby. The names of the host, Tim, Phil, JB. Their drink of choice was a Negroni. Oh, let the boys play. Bravo. Bravo. Amazing. Amazing work. <laughs> I've got a feeling that might become our, our club song now. <laughs> Outstanding work, Cocker. I mean, the layering. The layering. You must have done... It's been a slow week. I mean, you must have done four choruses. Well, I mean, to be honest, that's where I diverted my energy, given the fact I should have been in Belfast and Bristol this weekend. That is true. So, you know. God, what's going to happen next time we've got some called-off games? You really set a standard (laughs) high now. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, we all got into sea shanties this week. Which, do, do you know what? There's an element of it which made me think it's another reason that made me miss rugby because there's nothing like a sing song. Yeah. There is not it, at rugby, and it's so similar with the with the sea shanty. Isn't I it? love a sing song, love yeah. it. Yeah, on the bus. Although, I've got to say, Tim, I wasn't very, I wasn't into it when you said power ballads on the bus. I like rugby songs on a bus. Oh no, no Manchester Rugby Club. It was well when you got long journeys. There's time for all of it, but. Uh, the Manchester Rugby Club used to love power ballads, 80s yeah. power ballads. Do, do, do you know what my thing is? I go around the team and I just hand them my phone. Um, not for um, 1-800-CHAT-BACK, uh, <laughs> but instead so they can put on a single song onto the playlist. Because, of course, back in the day you had to take a CD or something or make your own playlist. And it's quite good fun because you kind of get the guys in their, in their 40s talking about you, Wilco, who puts on like Neil Diamond, and then you've got some kid putting on a song about a German whip. So you've got to kind of establish whose song is who. Yeah. <laughs> WAP. Uh, there'll be some kids picking that one as well. WAP. What's oh, right, WAP. yes. WAP. Yeah, yeah. indeed, indeed. Yeah. Culturally uh, relevant. Yeah. Anyway, just another reason to miss rugby. Uh, some other, something else we've got to, well, as well as bringing you the premiere of the Egg Chaser Sea Shanty, we we bring you the premiere of something else this week, don't we, JB? Indeed, indeed we do. We've finally got a Patreon. After eight years of only making moderate, moderate amount of money, we thought, no, enough's enough. <laughs> enough is enough. We need more. Uh, and it is important, I think. I think it is important because there's a lot of things going on in the world now. And uh, we've come a long way from where we were. I mean, look at you, Tim. You're now working at BT. And I just think, you know, frankly, you're expensive. I mean, 
you know, being here effectively costs you money. Uh, that, that's not how I come at this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you, JB, though. I'm saying, like, you're making so much money now on BT. But, like, if we don't, you know, if we don't have a way to pay you, like, what, what, what are me and Phil, Phil going to do? Ridiculous. Uh, right, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Yes, we have launched it. And, um, well, I think what, what the last year has done is it's made everyone have an opportunity to reflect and the reflection that I think we've had is that, man, we love those live shows. Yes. We love those yeah. tier two tours. We love the... We had big plans, didn't we? We were going to go round to premiership clubs and do brunches before games. Oh, my word, yes. Yeah. We, like, like go to Bath and, and, and host a brunch where people that are on, on their way to the rugby listeners can just come and have a, have a brunch and a few beers with us and then we'll go on to the game. Well, we may as well talk about it now because, well, it never happened because of COVID. Well, exactly. But we were in talks about going to New York to do a rugby brunch there involving 10 games, I think it was. So all Six Nations games, all the MLL, whatever they are, and then the games on the Sunday. So it was, like, it was going to stretch basically from 9am in the morning all the way through to late at night. Yeah. But it's one of those things just couldn't be done. So we abs- we really miss... Uh, th- this podcast is brilliant and we enjoy each other's company on a Sunday and we enjoy talking about rugby being nauses. It gives us an outlet for that. But man, I'll tell you what, the last year we miss seeing the whites of the eyes of like-minded kindred spirits who love the game of rugby want to come for a few beers maybe a sing song watch some games and a live show as well and 2020 was a chance to reflect on over 500 episodes and counting now and just thinking about plans for the future and Phil, do you remember the stress in JB trying to organise the logistics for a, a live show in Romania it's and hard. in Madrid? Yeah, both Romania and Madrid was incredibly stressful on all of us, but mostly JB because he did um, he put in a huge amount of work to find the venues, most of the communication with the venues, um, do the incredible um, pre-pod videos. And, and uh, don't and forget, fly work. out to threaten a venue once. Yeah, you you guys flew out to Madrid to, to make, because we were worried that this live show couldn't happen, because we were, anyway, you two flew out the, the, for about 12 hours to go and sort it out. We had a conversation yeah. on the Friday, no word of a lie, and it ended with, look, you need to give us this room now, or I'll be in your bar tomorrow. Because no, sorry, we can't do it, we're just going to be too, too busy. Phone down, on a train, to Glasgow, with Phil, fly, fly, fly over to Madrid for one day, Get to meet the guy, delightful guy. We came to a lovely compromise. Got back on the plane, went home, and as a result, two, there was over two hundred people. Uh, we had a live show for, and and, and believe us, of, of all the things that we imagined when we started this podcast thing, having two hundred odd people come to Madrid with us, yeah, it just pickles our head, to be honest. So we want to yeah. do more of it. And that, and as soon as we can, as soon as we're able to, as soon as um, things allow, we want to be able to do stuff like that, but not have JB have an aneurysm, uh, or both, or both, <laughs> to be able to do it. <laughs> so yeah, we, we we humbly ask for your support. If you appreciate what we do, if you if you like listening, then um, you can um, become a, a patron. Um, and there will be some little things we'll be doing which will make that worthwhile. That there'll be a there'll be. Little bits of content which will pop up there on their videos, live feeds, musings, ramblings, uh, and we're going to do some shirt giveaways for some of the stuff in the rugby dungeon as well. Yeah, but not the valuable stuff. You understand? Oh no, clearly not. Not the valuable. Actually, 
we will do some some volleyball stuff because I'll trail this now. We'll talk about it maybe in the, in the next podcast. But I'm thinking I might give away a shirt from the worst team in history. We should do one of the best shirts. Uh, we should do. Oh, let's do that. Let's do one of the a, t- uh, a shirt from the one of the best teams in history and from one of the worst teams in history. I think I might have the actual worst one here. There it is. There oh, it is. I, we'll, I, I won't tell you what it is. We will. Um, we'll, we'll tell you more on the next podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but mm. uh, thank you very much to the people, even before we've announced it, who've already uh, become patrons. It's uh, it's humbling when stuff like that happens. So thank you very much. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. And one one other thing we did just want to stress as well, J- JB, th- this we appreciate this is uh, difficult times for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to um, get involved, maybe get uh, some of this extra content, uh, maybe get in for the shirt giveaways and stuff like that, but you're in a situation where you can't currently uh, make a commitment or, you know, of even a, a few quid, which is quite understandable at the moment. It is, it si- really is. Situations are changing for people. Bob us an email, no questions asked, no judgment at all, and uh, we'll, we'll, lo- we'll make sure you get access to all of that stuff. Um, it shouldn't be a barrier, so we don't want it to be. So uh, contact eggchasers at gmail.com. Excellent. Right. Any rugby this uh, this weekend? Yeah, so let's just map out this podcast. I think we should cover off the fact that it looks like relegation isn't going to happen in the Premiership this season. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that, um, yeah, there were a few rugby games happening. And also, what was the other thing, Phil? Uh, well, the um, Champions, Champions Cup oh, being right. cancelled... Premiership rugby not moving games forward. Correct. And then, Tim, you mentioned the, the potential uh, solution or resolution to the Champions Cup season this year, which might be slightly unsatisfactory. Okay. What, what's the biggest one of those stories? What, what would you want to take first, Phil? Uh, well, well, I actually watched a rugby game this weekend, remarkably. Go on, then. Uh, which one, one did I, you watch? I, I paid eight ninety nine <laughs> to watch okay. uh, Ealing versus Saracens. That's absolutely nothing, mate. I paid a hundred pound to watch Glasgow versus Edinburgh. <laughs> I watch some NFL. Yeah. Well, let, let's go with uh, let's, let's go with Ealing and and Saracens. Well, yeah, because this will be pertinent when we come on to talk about the uh, relegation promotion Premiership situation. Yes. Yeah. It definitely will. So, what did you learn? Uh, so, so Ealing won a tight battle. Yeah. 27-26. Saracen scored a last-minute try, but they were eight points behind, so um, they had no chance of winning it when that last-minute try was scored. Um, Ealing were good value for it. And Saracens... So you can make something. This is not a Champions Cup winning Saracens squad, but it's still a Saracens squad, and it still had the benefits of the amazing coaching and management setup that Saracens have. There were still, even though Vincent Cock dropped out just before kickoff, there were six. There were still six full-fledged internationals in the starting fifteen of the Saracens team. Crikey! So, so it's not it's it's not um, a terrible squad at all. And Ealing, they were good value for their win. They played relatively simple game plan. Um, Craig Willis played really well. He managed the game well, kick sticks well, controlled the game well. Uh, Ealing never tried to do anything that was too much of a stretch for them. They weren't trying to run anything out from their own post. They tried to play the right areas of the field. They had a good set piece. They had a good good kick chase, good, well-organised defence. And they deserved the win. 
it's as simple as that. It was a good performance all around. So uh, Saracens fans would would say Mako Vinopola, Jamie George, Vincent Cock, Maru Itoji. Oh yeah, if the the best Elliot side Daly. that Saracens, yeah, best side that Saracens could put out is a lot better than this. As in the best side that Saracens can put out, very few teams in the world can live with. Uh, yes. Not not just not just in the Premiership. There, there's almost no one in the world who can live with the best Saracens team. Yeah, um, it makes you wonder, but, doesn't it? If the Saracens team that we saw though is a kind of a sneak preview of how they're going to go about their championship business. I suspect it will be. And they now know, they've probably got a good gauge that this team um, can win probably uh, 10 out of 11 games in the championship if it happens. But they do need a few more of their big guns back for Ealing because Ealing are no mugs. They are a good all-round team and they've got some good young talent in there as well. Yeah. I've got to say about Ealing, when they first sort of arrived... We're talking about three, four years ago when they had the injection of cash. I was a little bit sceptical. I thought it's a flash in the pan. The money that they're spending now, and by the way, it's not money on just players. They're not throwing it at, at, at players like a lot of teams that are trying to be promoted have done in the past. They seem to be doing it on like infrastructure and coaching, pathways. They've got a link with Brunel University. You know, It's a substantial project. It isn't just the headline players. They seem to be doing things the right way, and they, they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, and to to exactly that point, they've probably learned from some of the mistakes of some of their predecessors, teams that have just splashed all the cash purely on players, not got the foundations in place. On and Piri Weepu it... and Tom, Tim Molinar. And... Ooh, wouldn't want to play them. <laughs> Ollie Barkley. <laughs> Ollie Barkley and Tom May. Yeah. 36-year-old Tom May or whatever he was at the time. Um, yeah. Uh, so they've learned a lot from that. They've got um, very good... Uh, scouting Alex Shaw, whose knowledge and awareness and identification of young talent is uh, pretty much second to none. Um, second probably only to some of the Saracens <laughs> set up. Yes. So, so yeah, they're they're, um, they're a very good outfit, good all round. And, and the the whole thing, so this mini tournament as it is, which I had no real awareness of before I started watching the pre-game stuff. So do you, do you know anything about it? Tim or Jay? I just know that Doncaster are involved. Yeah, it's a little yeah. uh, home and away, six games. Uh, sorry, four games because there's three teams. Well, I think it is. I think it is six games. It I is think six games because it's four teams. Is it? Oh, no, yeah, it's, th- it's three teams. It's it's Ealing Saracens and Doncaster. But I think they have uh, two home games against one team and uh, one home game against the other team. So it's they, oh, okay. they play each team three times. I think it is. Ah, oh, okay. So the, how many times have they got Saracens? Uh, so Elon will play Saracens three times. Oof. Okay. Well, good. Well, yeah. it's, it's good to build up little rivalries, and again, geographically, there's there's an element of well, there's, there's an element of geography there. If Ealing end up becoming a power, this could be a catalyst for some little rivalries. We like those stories in rugby, so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. Um, it, it was good. I'm, I'm kind of glad because this, I think this would have been happening regardless. If there were Champions Cup games on, there's no chance I would have got to watch this. Absolutely none. So I was quite quite um, enjoyed the opportunity to get to get to watch the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this sounds like damning with faint praise, 
But as in exactly the same situation with Edinburgh Glasgow, there is no way <laughs> I would watch that game on a Premiership weekend. And it's not a slight. I'm just, I'm just too busy. You know, we've got to do this podcast every week, and we've got uh, what six games to review every week. And families. Just, uh, oh yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Obvi- obviously, <laughs> goes without saying. Obviously, that too, uh, and maybe even a rugby game. You might even want to play. Who knows? Uh, so I got to watch it, and it was pretty good, actually. I mean, yeah, it was pretty good. It it filled it filled the void from where the, a Premiership game would otherwise be. A real, rather entertaining game. Um, I've got to say though, disappointed with Edinburgh. Really disappointed. For a team which is coached by Richard Cockrell, they do not look like a Richard Cockrell team. And I wonder if his stardust is starting to wear off a bit there. Do you mean the... Because I've only seen the highlights of this. Uh, are you referring to the expectation that there'll be a gritty forward team? Well, is that the bit that was missing? Just the fact that I didn't think they even showed up. Uh, both teams... I mean, the way I judge game when I'm watching, you know, on a very micro level, is who is winning the game line? Who wants to be there? Who looks enthusiastic? Uh, the Glasgow line-out was superior, in my opinion. Uh, and on the game line, Glasgow, when they had the ball in hand, just looked far more physical and confrontational. I thought that was quite a shock. I thought that the uh, that any team coached by Richard Cockrell would be very physical, but it really wasn't. Mm. Mm. Now, when when did this get rearranged? I've got any... no idea. It must have been short notice. Yeah, it must have been a midweek rearrangement because we only found out the Champions Cup were definitely not going ahead on the Monday or Tuesday, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But fair play to them for getting it done. And also, <clears throat> yeah, they work to different parameters, don't they? Because they know, well, they've got a lot more integration with their union. So if the union says go ahead and do it, go there's, ahead there's and do it. There's fewer stakeholders as well. Yeah, yeah. There's only a few people that have got to agree rather than... 12 or 13 different parties that have to agree in the case of the Premiership, who decided not to bring any games forward uh, as uh, against the wishes of the likes of Pat Lamb and Rob Baxter, who had advocated for that previously. Yeah. Um, now, I've, I've heard sort of mixed things here. There's, there's sometimes there's some things I've read which say that there were some clubs that, that declined and said no, and that just sort of brought the whole thing, crashed, the whole idea crashing down. And then there's other times where it was like, we decided that as if it was a premiership rugby kind of decision. We decided that with the COVID cases where they are. So I don't know exactly what the truth of the matter is. but Well, isn't it a case of once a decision's been made, even if you didn't do it, you have joint responsibility for that decision. So even if you said, we want to play. Um, you then have to go with the decision. So yeah, we all back the decision. Yeah. Or does it not work like that? I don't know. I would imagine it might have to be one of those unanimous things. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I simultaneously hate it and I and like it at the, at the same time. So obviously, I want to watch rugby. From a personal point of view, I hate it. From a point of view of a club who wants to play, I hate it. But on the other hand, there are other clubs out there who have prepared to pick up points during the Six Nations yeah. against teams with no internationals. Yeah. And I can absolutely see where they're coming from. Yeah. Because, um, well, we'll get on to the next subject later. You know, livelihoods can be lost if if you get relegated. Uh, it is important. What, one, of the, um, one of the arguments given by a lot of people was, oh, use these weekends now because then, then there'll be space in the calendar if you need it later on because of cancellations. To which my response was, we're not having games rearranged because of cancellations. That was the deal they made before the season started. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, very big picture. 
disappointing, but I think rugby is doing remarkably well to keep the show on the road a full stop, really. I mean, it's not a, an enormous sport. Um, and, you know, the rules set, I mean, we'll talk more about other rules later, but in this case, the rules are every team has to agree. And if they don't agree because they've got their own selfish interests, well, that's part of being a competitive outfit. You want to squeeze out every single bit of competitive angle that um, that you can get. And the, the only team that uh, I've seen a press release release saying that they did not want to play, or they certainly they welcomed the break, was Worcester. Uh, and they they made an official press release that um, Jonathan Thomas, their head coach, basically said, "Yeah, we are very happy to have the two week break, um, so that the squad can both get some rest and also prepare for the next round of games." But Worcester are exactly the kind of team that you hinted at before who have very few. They, they'll lose Ollie Lawrence, uh, possibly Ted Hill, but unlikely Ted Hill, um, and pretty much no one else. So they'll be at near full strength during the Six Nations when they might be playing, I don't know, Exeter or Leicester, mm. um, who will lose multiple players. Yeah. So it's you're exactly right. It's in their interest to, to do this. And, and, and you can't they should, blame them for that. No, you can't blame them. And you shouldn't give any club stick for saying, no, don't don't want to. Yeah. Uh, do you know, some clubs yeah. as well, think about this, they've gone through their rest period. So an example of that would be Wasps. They rested their players before the Sale game and still beat Sale. But they rested them. So yeah. there'll be a lot of teams which haven't rested their players or look at this gap and think, brilliant, we can get our rest weekends The done. mandatory rest weeks yeah. in, yeah. So that's what, they'll be, yeah. that's what they'll be thinking. There's all sorts of gamesmanship in. And you know that's the price we pay for a competitive league and long may it stay competitive. Yes, which leads us on to this decision. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add into that one, Phil. The only other thing is um, there are some teams like Northampton now who have not played for about four weeks yeah. because of multiple different called-off games. So there'll be, there'll be some teams... Well, every team is different, I guess, is the only point. And a team like Northampton, who might be um, more like five or six weeks before they actually play a game, that in the middle of the season is is certainly no good for a team that are struggling anyway. So <laughs> every every club is is in a totally different scenario. Is there it, is no there's no appropriate solution for everyone. Is it better not to play or is it better to play against Leinster like they had lined up? Did they have Leinster? Uh, oh, good question. I think they did have Leinster. It, it depends depends what they do with that time. I think having seen Northampton, I think they could do with some of some extra conditioning work. Do you and, think, and scrummaging and scrummaging work. Scrummaging definitely. Do you think they could work maybe just running hard and straight off nine over and over again until they get that right? <laughs> or, do you, or do you think they'll just mess it up and throw it out the back in some sort of elaborate elaborate and perfectly executed move? Well, we will see what they did with their time. Uh, but here we are. It's Once again, this has happened with the government and, and and coronavirus and unfortunately it seems to happen with rugby as well where stories appear to have, seem to pop up in a newspaper days before the actual official line comes out so i don't know if this is actually happening but i would have to say on on past form when when the when the the fine journalists at the times write such stories it tends to be based on facts rather than conjecture and it looks like the premiership is going to be ring fenced i mean with no relegation this season. Yeah, but with promotion potentially. With promotion for a team, as Phil already importantly caveated earlier, if the championship happens, Ealing or Saracens would be in the box seat to, uh, or Saracens with Ealing potentially as well, challenging them 
will be in the box seat to get that spot if it happens. But now there's now relegation's been ended, and with the current situation, and with some championship clubs saying, unless you let us have crowds, we cannot afford to to open the doors and do it. I I don't know if championship the championship season will happen. Uh, due to starting yeah. March. Uh, so many angles. So first of all, Premiership rugby, despite the nice things I said about how they make their decisions previously on a different matter, on this I've been a shambles. Uh, I think this is a decision made off the back partly of their points decision, which they seem to have stumbled into. So the the four plus two um, for, can't, uh, for cancelled for games. games means that you've got a horribly distorted table compared to most of to most years all teams agreed to that before the start of the season I agree with you it's wrong, it's and, for, wrong. and for the reasons Phil said it should have it, it it inflates the number of points in the league table by 20% yeah so yeah. I, I think that but they all agreed to it and they all signed up to it but now that is the very the very thing they signed up to according to the Times article I don't know if it's fact if the Times article is, is completely above the level the story essentially is relegation scrap for this season because five teams have have a consulting on a potential legal case if they were to get relegated based on the points decision which all clubs signed up to before <laughs> the season started grow up boys grow up um yeah and that, that that contradiction is one that was highlighted as well by rugby and the law which is a very good twitter account um which is worth run by ben cisneros um which is worth reading on any matters like this because it does seem like they're once again, contradicting themselves. <laughs> anyway, go on, Mark, JB. Marking their own homework. I was yes. told, right, I was told by that, uh, some, some very, very good sources, who you may, may may have heard from as well, that the CVC deal was a remarkably good deal for rugby because overnight we were going to um, enjoy a dynamic professional sport and the only way we could possibly ever unlock these secrets is by giving giving away basically one third of our commercial income and in return for that what we'd have is a well-run is a well-run sport and and 10 million 12 million quid each in our back pocket straight away on day one yep yep and and that too um it seems no such thing no such thing has happened i mean it's an awful lot of money to spend isn't it one third of your entire commercial revenue forever um in order to get decision makers in place which have come up with this absolute dog's breakfast. Because fundamentally, the Premiership is competitive because of relegation, which means that every position from the playoffs all the way down means something every game. There are other leagues that exist where this doesn't happen. Uh, some very successful leagues, like the NFL, is very, very, um, is very successful because, of the, because of, of the way it's structured and the way the teams are prepared for no relegation. We, on the other hand, in the Premiership, are not prepared for no relegation. So to announce this midway through this season, if it was for next season, fair enough. But for this season, it's an absolute disgrace because all the teams are built in a certain way to get a certain type of competitive performance from each fixture that that that, that they play. Um, you can't change the rules of the season midway through a season. It's absolutely nuts and it's incompetent. It's It, it seems completely crazy. Um, especially when, as we've highlighted before, you've got the club's own PRL, effectively. They own, they, they have the, the decision-making process, or they're hugely involved in the decision-making process of PRL, and they seem to, at every turn, the, the combination, I'm not singling out 
anyone in particular here, but they repeatedly seem to make terrible decisions and communicate them in an even worse fashion. Yes. So it's it, it's it's quite. I'm always a, a, a kind of. I surprise myself how astonished I can be at repeated incompetence because it's it just it never ceases to amaze. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like the the underlying decision is bad enough in itself. They think, how can we make this even worse for everybody else involved, every other stakeholder? How can this be opposite? It's kind of like yeah. a builder who doesn't only make a huge mistake in your house. He then tells you in the worst way possible, probably over a text or two weeks later. You know, <laughs> you know, or, or leaves you a note. Does it feel like, again, this is just pure speculation, but it feels like the outcome was decided and right, we need to reverse engineer a justification for, <laughs> for the outcome which we've decided we want. Uh, well, because because the, this, the, the points thing as the reason why, if that's the reason why, and I say if because I don't know, I'm only really yeah. going off the Times article, uh, it, it's just absolutely bonkers. Yeah, and we're going to be in a situation where the last a real season we had was a season that Newcastle went down. I, mean, genu- I genuinely mean that. Yeah. That is the yeah, last yeah. real season. No one could have predicted COVID, and I don't blame anyone for anything COVID, COVID-related. In fact, I think they've excelled themselves. Two things can be true at once. Um, but they did bin off the season last year to get rid of Saracens. You know, oh. Yeah, which, which I would stand by as well. I think they did the right thing. But you're right, it did. Last season was a, a fake season. They should have Half two the games down. were and, irrelevant. And that was a great way, and that was another... <laughs> That was another example of potentially, or at least it appeared to many, that they decided what the outcome was. Saracens are getting relegated, and then just engineered and changed <laughs> the the rules yeah. through the that, season to make sure the outcome that they'd already decided happened. Yeah, you can always well, that was that was exactly what happened. You can always <laughs> feel, can't you, the feel the conversation that might have taken place, which is right. We're going to give these guys a points rele- um, a points deduction, and then and then they will go down. Okay, fine. Um, by the way. Do the laws say it's a bottom place team that go down? Because there's a good chance that Saracens might finish second to bottom now. Oh Christ! Okay, let's uh, let's change this punishment so that it's automatic relegation. Oh, hang on, let's let's do another one as well. Whilst we give them even more points, like they get three separate punishments. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm compassionate to the struggles that clubs are under uh, with, with with coronavirus. I'm compassionate that there is also there would be a sense of injustice with whatever team finish bottom because there are lots of factors outside of their control. But then before the season starts, see yeah. see the potential consequences, analyse them and flag it up then. Yeah, what do they do in these meetings? I'd love to know what they do in these meetings because you could just, <laughs> you, know, you could spend, I don't know, half an hour talking about it. I've got no idea how they've come to this. Uh, and Just to go back to the points thing because I think this is an absolutely perfect time to point out it was during a podcast a couple of weeks ago that within five minutes of having a chat, Phil had looked up the league tables from from last year, worked out what the average number of points per game is, and therefore identified that uh, awarding four and two points is is going to lead to an inflation of league points. Yes, mm. and, and you and you organised that in five minutes. And there yeah, are we're, we're there chatting are, about something else. There are professional <laughs> rugby clubs whose entire future budgets jobs of people that work there are dependent on things like this and nobody managed to spot that yeah. for uh, one thing. Have they mentioned to anyone or have they told us the plan to maintain the um, 
the relevance of those low, low, lower table games? Are we just going to have a repeat of Leicester last year when they were just tossing off games left, right and centre because they couldn't be bothered putting out a competitive side? Are we just going to see teams of kids? I mean, there's so many consequences here. You know, why wouldn't the team who's carrying some dead weight, who are not particularly doing well, uh, not that London Irish are, but if London Irish find that some of their senior players are not doing particularly well and they've got these massive contracts, why would they not just bin them off and play kids and see how they go and then try and try well, make some other signings? Well, Rob Simmons made his debut the other day, Australian international. Uh, what a waste of money! Would they? Would they have signed him? Yeah. By the way, they, 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 he's not a waste of money if he keeps them up, but he's a complete waste of money now. Utter waste yeah, of money. If if they if they've got no worry about staying up, I mean, some might argue that. Um, no matter the circumstances, if he's on as much as he's allegedly on, um, he would always be a waste of money. But um, you're right. If he if he was the one who kept them up or had a, a significant handle in keeping them up in a normal season, you could strongly argue that that is not a waste of money. Yeah, I don't know what Premier Rugby think that they've done. I don't know what CBC think they've done. I, th- I think it's right to point out what Phil said, that Premier Rugby are the clubs. Yeah, but they do have a CEO. Right, they do, and yeah. I don't know how powerful um, Darren Childs is in all this, but this is what we were promised. We 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 were told that. It, I mean, it sounds like to me he's been bought in because he has TV experience to sell a TV deal, which we have sold for, ooh, uh, well, approximately exactly the same as the last TV deal, minus one third <laughs> of all of our income. Thank you very much for that. Um, so you've got that side, but there's no experience of running sporting competitions. Where is that? experience and this was the point sorry i'm getting yeah this was the whole point right which was we were going to get external experts in to run this thing because at the moment we've got one guy who's just good at tv stuff fine and then we've got everyone else who's exactly the same as they were before fumbling along exactly the same as they were before where where is the value from our one third of our um of of our commercial rights well it it doesn't look like it's materializing Yet, um, speaking of rugby commercial deals, oh, Jay, did you did you see the news last week about the All Blacks? I did, and Saracens as well, actually. So, oh. s- summarize su- uh, summarize it for me, Phil. The All Blacks one. I've not heard the Saracens one, but the All Blacks one was um, an American private equity firm called Silver Lake, are allegedly in negotiations with buying a stake within New Zealand rugby um, and their commercial rights arm. This was what was reported on Sky, um, Sky Sports. So buying their commercial rights arm, which I assume will be similar to the premiership deal where you buy their effectively TV and marketing rights. Um, But the the valuation was startling. Yeah. Um, The valuation that Sky reported was a 15% stake for 1.5 billion which would value it at a ten ten billion pounds. Are you sure of that? Sure, it wasn't fifteen percent percent of that one billion because that would make uh, your blacks substantially more valuable than Manchester United and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so this is what was reported. This was fifteen percent stake at one point five billion. Now the wording is a bit sloppy on on the article. Um, so. It could. I did. So it could think be fifteen percent of a one point five one billion valuation. Yes, which would make it just over two hundred million. Which sounds that, much fifteen percent. I mean, yeah, because at ten billion, you're talking about a company that'd be on the FTSE one hundred probably, definitely. 
So it's caught. It can't be that. I I, I can never ever um, get over my disappointment of the standard of writing across all rugby media when it comes to anything commercial. It's just the. I mean, uh, the, I was reading something about. Um, how the Welsh structure their deals on Wales Online, and it was complete gibberish. Like you, you, you it's just incomprehensible. So but that is it a, doesn't isn't everything me. on Wales isn't everything on Wales Online pretty much incomprehensible <laughs> gibberish? Yeah, yeah, but they do have the present of the Welsh Rugby Writers Association, which obviously is a very prestigious institution. Uh, so um, Sar- Saracens as well. Yeah, yeah so how Saracen- does that feed in? Because Saracens apparently have got an offer from a private equity group as well for them directly now. Uh, not all of these. I can't remember the company in America that the that the um, it's the owner of, and it's uh, the Dell Computers. Is it? I think it might yes, be. Yes, it is Dell Computers. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like some vehicle for the ex-owner of Dell to enjoy bits and pieces. I don't know how it's structured. Is it Nigel Ray slowly extricating himself from Saracens? Is it actually a way to spread the load a little bit because he doesn't want the money coming out of the, the just the Ray family pot anymore after recent um after what's after being burnt recently or is it just a, a restructuring of things to set them up for uh, the future who knows but it's a big deal yeah yeah i just have a look at this um... and again well and, and do you know what you talk you you were saying about the Where's the where's the expertise and where are the where are the people? Nigel Ray. Where are the people? <laughs> Nigel. Yes, that's your bloody expert. Go and talk to him. There, there is. If you if you had to pick one person from English rugby to advise, consult on, and maybe broker some things, Nigel Ray would actually be the bloke. He yeah. would actually be the guy. You're you're not wrong there, Tim. You you're really not. Ah. <sighs> So it's, it's which, yeah, but, it's but even saying that will rattle the cages of some people because it's weird. One, one, what, what I would have imagined would have been a fairly innocent tweet earlier on our on our feed was after Alex Sanderson uh, took over as Sale Dor, and so the tweet said, "Well, not only do uh, not only have Saracens produced a massive number of an England World Cup winning side, they now they they've now also produced him recently." Um, young English DORs for twenty five percent of Premiership clubs. Not bad, is it? No, the response to that was a lot. There was quite a lot of yeah, but the salary cap. <laughs> yeah, well, the salary cap did what exactly did, to, for Ab- Sanderson and and Gustard yeah, and uh, exactly. Borthwick? It's got nothing to do with it. So, so thankfully, in the business section of BBC, they have fifteen percent uh, on evaluation, which would put them about two billion New Zealand dollars or one point five billion uh, sterling. Now, so that would be just over two hundred million for the fifteen percent stake, then. Uh, yes, that would, and that sounds more like it because that sounds about Manchester United money, doesn't it? Really? I don't know. I don't know how much. How much did uh, the Glazers buy Manchester United for? For a lot less than that. Yeah, a lot less than that, but it's worth a lot more than that. Yeah, I was going to say a long time ago. Now. Yeah, I think they bought it for six hundred million. I want to say. That was I'm, yeah. I seem to remember that was something like the debt was six or seven hundred million. Okay, so what American football team are they? Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Glazers. Yes, they are. So, yeah. uh, 2019, United had a brand value of 1.6 billion US dollars. Uh, All right, okay. But here on the little list, just quickly on Google, value in in millions, United is 3.6 billion. So you know, billion here, billion there. 
before you know it, you're talking about real money. So what the actual <laughs> value of United is, is beyond me. I don't know. Do you want to buy United? It's convenient, isn't it? It's, it's close it's, by. It's handy. It's, 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 but yeah, the commute would be nice and easy. Tell you what, that United yeah. deal is bloody brilliant. I mean, it really is brilliant. What? What? What is? Sorry, the United deal. They effectively yeah. bought it with their own, with United's own debt, and they sat on it and they extricate God knows how many millions every year to fund their lifestyle, and it just keeps on growing in value, and they keep on winning. Well, they don't win, do they? But you know, <laughs> they do all right. They they do they do enough. They sell lots of Pogba shirts. That's that's all they need to do. Yeah, it's absolutely. They don't need genius. to win anything if you've got someone like Pogba, who's incredibly marketable all over the world. So I finally got round to reading uh, the book which you talk about, Phil, continuously, uh, Soconomics. Soconomics is a great book, isn't it's it? It's one of the best books I have read. Really? It, it's flipping Right, brilliant. I'll get on it then. It, it's so good that I ordered, um, I got it on Google Playbooks and just read it on my phone. Then I ordered three hardback co- uh, copies and then distributed them to people that I like. You you didn't get one, but I do have a spell one. <laughs> <laughs> it's... I would I would really recommend it, Tim, and anyone listening to the podcast, just because it gives it gives an incredible explanation for a lot of the decisions that you see in not just football specifically, but across professional sport, anywhere where there's sport and money involved, it explains decisions and some of the uh, kind of apparent contradictions that you think don't really make sense, but actually, when you understand the economics behind it, they make perfect sense. And it's, it, it's a br- brilliant book. Read it with your rugby brain on, because you'll see loads of things on there. Where I'll give you a really, a really good example of something, something which I found about academies. Um, now, in football, the academy can be worth it because they bring in loads of kids, and then they, you know, some of them make it, some of them don't. Uh, for instance, uh, Chelsea make money from their academy because they sell so many. Um, and yeah, they they bring in hundreds and hundreds of teenagers and they, from they all lo- over the world. They loan them out for a fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Brentford don't even have an academy because they're like, well, why would I? Why would we bother? And you can't really tell how good a player is going to be until their early twenties. So, you know, fine. Now, I used to know a guy, and I've not heard from him for a long, long time, but he did radio Le- radio Leicester. Uh, he's in financial services and a phenomenally knowledgeable Leicester Tigers fan. Phenomenally. And he was telling me about five years ago that the Leicester board have got, got together and they'll only buy players um, in their early 20s. And I'm reading this, I'm thinking, this sounds a lot like Moneyball. Uh, sorry, a lot like Soconomics. And he actually referenced Moneyball because they, he was saying, um, who was the flanker, the New Zealand flanker that they that they got? Oh, um, Leicester signs. Salvi. No, the no, other no, one, no. Uh, Brendan, was... someone. Oh, oh, Brendan O'Connor. O'Con- O'Connor, yeah. Yeah, he actually said, "Oh, yeah, they've moneyballed him, and they think he's this, that, you know, this, that, and the other." And I'm reading this, I'm like, "This is what Leicester Tigers were doing a few years ago. They were, they, they actively said in the press that they were only they were going to concentrate their activities on the best 21 year olds from around the league rather than developing developing their own, something which have moved away from them. Anyway, mm. yeah, and hence they will let Paolo Adogu go. We'll let Alex Lewington go. Yeah, and we'll yeah. well, it does stack yeah. up, doesn't it? Look and at we'll, look at all the yeah. look, look at all let the Harry Thacker go. We'll bring in Palotta now. Perfect. What what a great deal! <laughs> uh, so you can see these things now. Interestingly, on the academies, would you say that rugby academies are, are more or less valuable than football academies? It's a, it's a good question because rugby doesn't have the transfer fees that football does. Correct. So in football, you could, if you create an amazing if your academy creates an amazing player you can sell him for 50 million pound plus football football sorry rugby doesn't have that however 
the um, English qualified players and the academy credits that you get in the Premiership um, against your salary cap mean that um, players that you have um, developed yourself are more valuable to you than anyone else in the league. Yeah. And they give you a, a genuine benefit. Like, look at the Saracens or some of the Saracens guys that they brought through their academy in their mega successful team. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of with you there. And also, I think another angle of this is with football academies, they are bringing in youngsters from literally all over the globe. Like, if you yeah. are a 16-year-old, yeah. you might be getting paid £600 a week from Chelsea just to be there. As a 16-year-old, it's absolutely nuts. Whereas the rugby academies are something a little bit different, aren't they? For a lot of the academies, it's a direct link between the local professional team, like Sale, and they have all of the coaching infrastructure going into, I don't know, Preston or Fylde or Lim or all of these sort of subordinate clubs feeding up, which I think is really, really healthy. There is, a slight, there is a slight imbalance as well with some of the clubs in the academies because the the, when you draw the boundary of Sales Academy, you've got all of Lancashire, Greater Manchester, Cheshire, and Leeds. I think. Do we get, uh, yeah, and do you've they got and Leeds? you've got West Yorkshire as well. Not bad, is it? Yeah. So yeah, you've got <laughs> you've got all of them. Now I doubt Chelsea is only getting lads from that. You know, Fulham. Well, well Fulham. Fulham, <laughs> Fulham will have Fulham will have those lads. Hammersmith. Well, no, I, think, I think I'm right in saying that uh, Chelsea Football Club is in Fulham, and uh, rather than. Chelsea. I, I mean, you're almost yes. certainly right. I, I, I'm pretty certain it is in uh, Hammersmith and Fulham. Yeah. I mean, I don't care, really, is, <laughs> uh, is where we're going with that one. Um, but yes, you're almost certainly right. But that's, what I think, the difference is the academies are a really nice link into the local, into mm-hmm. local areas. Whereas football academies don't really do that, do they? They're designed for one thing and one thing only. Maybe Liverpool, somewhere like that would be different because they do have a lot of homegrown players. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And unless, mm. unless there's anything particularly else uh, on your radar, I reckon we should sele- uh, do Eddie Jones's job for him and select a 28-man England squad. All 28 of them? There's only 28. Yeah, what's the story behind that, Phil, it being 28? not Because it's normally 36 for a Six Nations, isn't it? Yeah, normally somewhere over 30. Um, I'm sure for a few years it was 31, but then last season England's was 36. Um and different teams seem to name different sizes. Like France's last year was 42. Anyway, um, I read something earlier this week. Uh, I've not got it in front of me now that said Eddie Jones was looking to cut it to 28 and had agreed with the RPA and the clubs uh, and the RFU that he could cut it to 28 to reduce the potential COVID transmission. 
And we kind of know that Eddie Jones does like a small squad. Um, And certainly he only likes having a couple of fly halves. He only likes having a couple of scrum halves. Mm. He doesn't like to have too many players in his squads because it gives him, I guess, a bit more control over them as well. So are we going to be able to go absolutely crazy here or do we need to be sensible? Well, with this three of us, we could come to a, well, let, we let, always come to an agreement, can't we? Let's get the nailed on ones. Okay, so a toji. What? What? So wait, let's let's go. So loose head. Okay, you want to do it that way? Why don't you just have the, like the nailed on names? No, okay, yeah, let's do loose. It's easier to do it um, position by position, yeah, and, yeah. and I'll keep tabs on numbers. So the the loose heads, Marla, Mako, Genge. Yes. If we just like put all those in initially. I mean, because because there's two in a match day squad, you'd imagine you'd need. An extra? But, then, but, then, but then only 28, that's... Well, I okay, so so it's a really difficult one, this, because I would definitely go Mako, but then he's not really playing, is he? I mean, what evidence do we have that he's doing doing well? And uh, I don't think Marla's I, playing well. So I, I, I think Mako's got enough credit in the bank. <laughs> yeah, but you say this, and I don't disagree with you, but it's a huge experiment, isn't it, with those Saracens boys? Can you play international rugby without setting foot on a competitive club pitch? Yeah, and this comes back to a point um, well, I made um, after the New Zealand-Argentina game mm. when those Argentina boys had been thrown around. They'd been in quarantine for two weeks. They'd been unable to train as a team for months. Um, and they put in one of the all-time best performances to beat the All Black for the fir- All Blacks for the first time ever. And I think with the point I made following that was with today's knowledge of strength and conditioning and everything else i don't think the match fit is as important as it was even 20 years ago or 10 years ago i think you can get players properly prepared without games i tend to disagree with you i think you can get the fitness how do you get your form you know i i'm not sure you can do that but, how, how did well, Argentina do it then? Got no idea. It could be a one-off. It could be luck. Well, um, but uh, we'll find out, won't we? Because you know this is an experiment, effectively, to see if the naughty step would work. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'd say I'd look. I'd look to Ireland. Yeah, I'd look to Ireland as well, and and think, well, they rest up their their players. So it's like Johnny Sexton in the year he won World Player of the Year played five times for Leinster. <laughs> yeah. So it's a fit, pretty fair comparison, actually. Yeah, okay. Okay, so Mako and then so Genge. If you only had to pick two, which two would you pick? I, 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 <sighs> Who'd you leave out? I'd probably, probably, I'd probably say you have to leave out Genge. I don't know if this is a damning indictment or not, but none of them to me are playing well enough for me to say they're nailed on. They're kind of all in there because I'm not sure which one is best rather than which one is worse okay, well you're, you're just giving up your chance to have an influence on the vote then damn if it you're taking that but phil <laughs> i'll let you see uh, give me give me mako and genge as my two mako because and I, genge. I, okay. I i like it that way around as well because genge is so dangerous off the bench he's a real um game changer as eddie jones would say all right I, yeah and joe marler just waiting in the wings uh as required yeah do you know what? He's only in he's only in Quinns anyway. You can get you can nip down to the Lensbury for a bit of training. Yeah, so I, exactly. I, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to go with Genge, and I'm going to go with uh, Marla. Okay, cool. So we all picked two different ones, a different combination of those three. So okay, there's two. Um, fine, we'll go Mako. Uh, we'll go Mako and Genge, mm-hmm. uh, or or Marla okay. or Marla. Or anyway, two of those. Anyway, Hooker is fine. Got Mullet Hyphen Dicky and Jamie George done. Right? Yeah. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah. 
Uh, and Tom, then... Tom, Tom Dunn is, he was in the squad previously. He's not playing well enough, I don't think, to... Um... To warrant it at the if, moment, albeit if, I do rate him. With with the fact there's only twenty, if, if we're, we're working on the basis that there's tw- twenty eight spots, if there was thirty six, you'd probably have probably have a conversation about Tom Dunn. Yes, definitely. Uh, tight head prop. Carl Sinclair misses the first game. Oh, okay. So a very dear friend of mine, uh, a friend of yours, well, Phil, uh, Phil Sutcliffe. Um, yeah, who is an extremely good rugby man, got in contact with me today to ask me my views on tighthead so i've always sort of sort of rehearsed this and my view is that i'm not sure sinclair is playing all that well at, well at bristol i mean he's coming off the bench they're using him sparingly yes all front rows rotate on, on on and off he's just not impressed me i thought his game would go to a different level at bristol and it's a bit concerning it can take a lot of time for, for new players to bed into the the systems yeah. and the surroundings, I I really really rate Sinclair. Yeah. Oh, I think it's um, amazing. And so he he has to be in the squad. I know he's missing the first game, so you'll call up a, a reserve. Yeah. Um, so after so he, after he's class. I I think he's total class as well. And um and I I disagree actually. I think he's I I don't really have any concerns about his performances on what I've seen. But that that's interesting. I'll keep an eye on it. Um. So, who gets the second tight head spot? Harry Williams or Will, uh, Will, Will Stewart? Will Stewart. Again, Will, Will Stewart, second, the second season at Bath, was absolutely awesome first season. Does not Say who you like more. I don't not know. who you don't like. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I don't like him. Don't like him. I'm very so negative, pick, pick someone you do like then. I love Harry Williams. Okay, so you're going Harry Williams. Yeah. yeah. Who else is there? It's not. Another Dan Cole. Dan Cole. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's not. I, I mean, I think that's it, really. Well, I mean, Jake Cooper Woolley would be the obvious. Shooting. Nick Shonert has been in England squads before. Good, good scrimmager. Um, Who's the young English slash South African guy? Is it Quinns? You don't mean uh, oh, he's no, been in the squad. Wilco Lowe is. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, I was going to say Wilco Lowe is definitely South African, but the, yeah. Kern- uh, oh yes, I think I know the guy. Oh, you mean. oh Carrod, Carrod. I like Carrod. him. Now I That's do it. like him. I think he's destructive. Simon Carrod. He doesn't get in ahead of Harry Williams or Will Stewart for me. I'll go. No, I'd go Williams. Williams and Stewart, yeah, in that order. I'd, I'd, I'd go Stewart then Williams actually. Okay, but I could, I could go. I'm happy. Yeah, I could go either way as well. Uh, locks. So do you think he'll pick? So in our squad of twenty eight. Do we pick four locks knowing that some of them can slot in in the back row if needed? It depends on Billy. That's what I think. So if Billy is fit and firing and they like him, then I think they go with two sevens and then narrow down their locks. I think that's what you want. Yeah. If he's not fit and firing, then Tom Curry goes to eight. You've already got one seven on the field. You have another seven. And then you can fit someone on the flank. For instance, Mario... Or or courts, so the answer is it depends on Billy. So I, I think Billy has to be in the squad. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and he, he played. Um, he he was actually well marked by Ealing. They, I'm not they were hitting him. Yeah, they were hitting him with threes up defenders pretty much every single time, and he was still making a few yards generally. Um, but he wasn't. He, he didn't look like men against boys, which you against a. Uh, lesser organised team, he might have done, yeah. but it, w- it would have been a good test for him that game, to be honest. A good, and he he is one who 
does probably need the those games for his fitness. Yeah, my feeling on this is I would go with a Toji Launchbury. Yeah. Court Courtney, Courtney yeah. and John, one other Johnny Hill or Charlie Oh Johnny Yules. Hill's uh, not Charlie Yules, explicitly not Charlie Yules. Um I'd go with Johnny Hill all all day long. That's a great four lot. I, I would go with those guys as well. I'd I, go. I like I like that four. I like that yeah. four. And then, and then we can we can uh, probably only pick five. Well, we can five only back really row players. Five. five back five. row players. So it's it's Tom Curry, Sam Underhill, Billy V, and two others of well the content the main contenders are Ben Earl, Jack Willis, Mark Wilson, Lewis Ludlam, Ted, Ted Hill. There's there's your five. You got two to pick. Okay, so I'm not going. With, well, no, hang on. I can't not go with Billy because he's in. So I've got four. Okay, so. Curry, Underhill, Billy. Have to go. I wouldn't go with Billy. Two, no. two others. Well, okay. So, but Billy's in because me and Phil have voted him in. He, well, he has. I so can't there's imagine two other spots, but you yeah. can have an influence on that. Um, Willis or Earl is a flipper. Uh, is is a coin toss now, because I know Willis can play eight, and I know that and his ball carrying has got better. Yeah, and Earl can play seven. So you know which way to go around. I like them both. Isn't it weird, right, that the best seven for England is probably, well, it could be it could be Underhill, but it's probably Tom Curry. Tom Curry. Tom Curry is simultaneously the number one choice for England at eight. Should Billy not be there? And he's starting at six for England. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Up. And he's the best seven. Yeah, so... and and his genetically identical twin brother. Nowhere to be seen. Anywhere. Anywhere near the squad. <laughs> Nowhere to be seen. Rubbish. So, <laughs> so he's simultaneously the most rated man in the England back row and absolutely discarded. <laughs> so uh, so are, you, are, you, are you going Earl and Willis as the two extras and Mark Wilson and Lewis Ludlam miss out? Mm, I like Lewis Ludlam a lot. Uh, can one of them play tighthead? <laughs> I, I'm happy with Earl and Willis. I'm I'm also happy with Earl and Willis. So I'll give an honourable mention to to Sam Simmons. Oh yeah, um, well yeah, obviously. Hang on, so you're not. Yeah, it's, it's not if I was picking. Yeah. Uh, so is is Underhill missing out for you? No, Underhill's not missing out. It's, it's Underhill's it, it, in. It's the World Cup final back row plus Earl and Willis, and I'd oh, love. So you got five. I thought you wanted four. Five. No five. Oh, so four plus Billy. Three. Yes. Uh, yes, four plus Billy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't take Billy. I wouldn't take Billy, and I'd have uh, Curry and uh, a another one of the one of the other dynamic kids, and I'd have a Toji or Laws at six. That's that, that's that's my favourite pack. But what do mm. I know? Hey, mm. idiot. <laughs> uh, scrum half, Youngs. Anyone? No, no, no. We're not, no. We're, not, we're not predicting it. We're picking what we want. Oh, so uh, is it? Is it Robson Spencer? Is it uh, Robson Randall? Spencer Randall? Y- Youngs? Does he get a look in? Anyone well, else? I mean, the, the, just the idea of a Spencer and Robson duo is delicious, isn't it? And Randall as well. Rand- I really like Randall. Well, so I'm say- I'm keeping my powder around Randall because this is what I genuinely think will happen: Youngs and Randall. Mm. I've been I've been thinking about this all week. You think Randall's gonna leap for Robson? Well, why not? I mean, Eddie doesn't like him. 
Uh, you know, if if the if the criteria what, what, wasn't the, the the two minutes that he gave him against Georgia and against other teams in the autumn, uh, didn't that signal that Eddie's changed now? He really likes Dan Robson. He did, gave he gave him two minutes. <laughs> Do you not see how furious Eddie was when the when the game went on a little bit too long? He realised that uh, Robson had three minutes, a whole third more than uh, than actually expected. Uh, he doesn't like good scrum halves if they're not loud enough, and this is exactly the reason they're not in. They're not loud enough, which is a real shame. So. If thought, Randall's old enough, he's in. I thought your theory was that Owen Farrell hates Ben Spencer. Oh, the, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. What must Owen Farrell say to Eddie Jones about Ben Spencer? <laughs> Owen, do, do you like this guy? <laughs> no. I mean, it can't be anything else, can it? It can't be anything else. So, uh, if you had to pick two scrum halves, which would you pick? Assuming we're not picking three, because we can't. I like Spencer. Um, I was going to say Spencer Randall seems to fit into me. Do you know the problem with Robson? In my mind, is he is so pivotal, and it's kind of like the Cipriani one, but in like a lesser degree, he does everything. Robson, they almost build their attack around what he can do, um, he, and I'm not sure Owen Farrell would like that. I can kind of see that. Um, if it was purely the best two scrum halves at the moment, I think I would go uh, Spencer and Robson. Uh, although I, I love Randall. I think Randall is electric. He's absolutely dynamite. But I think Spencer and Robson, we've got enough game tape over long periods of time to know they are quality. However, I think JB's right. that I, I suspect Eddie might choose Youngs and Randall because Willie Hines, who was... It last last year was Youngs and Hines. Willie Hines is injured, um, and and he's a thirty four year old Kiwi. But um, <laughs> I think I think Youngs and Randall are going to be the two. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to him um, to uh, Willie Hines one day pulling on the England shirt next to what's his name, young Englishman, uh, James Wilson. James Wilson. That 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 for me is the the dream partnership. <laughs> I, feel, I, I think he w- I think he will pick Youngs and Robson. I would pick. Robson and I'd give the number one spot to Robson and I'd pick Randall. Yeah, I'm I'm going with that. I'm happy with that combo. Hmm. Um, fly half then. We just 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 for Farrell. That's it, isn't it? For Farrell. Well, it depends on the centres. It's it, I don't think it's that clear cut because of the centre options. But I, th- I think with, tw- with 28 men in your squad, I think if he was going to bring a third one in, it would be if there's an injury to George Ford. No, I'm, I'm suggesting you have uh, Farrell as one of your three slash four centres. Oh, agreed. Then... Yeah, yeah. So he'll be a versatile. Farrell will be a ten twelve, but there's no other. Yeah, there's no other specialist fly halves besides Ford Farrell in a twenty eight man uh, England squad. I I think you're right in Eddie Jones's squad. I think I would have probably Farrell still as my captain as my starting twelve, and I'd have Ford and Simmons as my. Uh, two tens, Ooh. and I, I'd, I'd run the whole thing with Farrell as my my starting twelve. And yeah, build, that, build the game around right. it. On what I've got written down, I would pick. I was just going to say, I think he will pick Ford Farrell. I would pick Ford Smith. Ah, oh Smith, yeah. How did I forget about him? So, so Smith. basically, Smith or Simmons? Who do you fancy, JB? Uh, in your squad, I. If or or you could just go forward and that's it. There's something about playing for Harlequins which makes me think you might not be up to international standard. You might be a bit flaky, or you know, you might you might not just be as secure as someone from Exeter. 
and for that reason, I would go with the uh, with someone from cool. Exeter. So we're going Joe, um, George Ford, Joe Simmons, fly halves. Uh, one centre spot taken up with Owen Farrell at 12. Ollie Lawrence, the other 12. He's a 13. Well, 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 Henry Slade, the other 12. He's a 13. Okay, fine. So Slade and Slade Lawrence and Joseph 13. as the other three centres, or potentially got Marchant. Do you know what? They need a, a, a 13 that can slip in at 12 with great hands, great skills, good all-around distribution and, and kicking, leader of a team. I, I'd go with Sam James. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, Sam James is now a 15, JB. I, even better. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, and this is not a joke. Um, Bath have not done well. That is not a joke. Um, but one of the guys who has done fairly well there is Cam Redpath. Now, I, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. they want something a little bit different. I mean, this guy's been ordained as the next great English thing. Let's see if he is. I, I could actually get on board with that, you know. I could get on board with Farrell, Slade and Lawrence, and then Redpath. Yeah, yeah. Because he, you know, if one if one of the fly hobs goes off, you bring on Redpath at twelve, where I think he's been really good, and away you go. And I think he's just, you know, he's a lot. He seems to be playing a lot better for Bath than than he ever played played for Sale. I so, was not convinced on him at all. So you would bomb. So hold on, just just to, just to add, that we're up to twenty players by um, by the time we get to Farrell. So we've got eight slots left. For the back three, <laughs> excuse me, and the rest of the centres. So you would have so Slade's in, no question. Yep, Slade's in. Yeah, um, Slade's in, and then so that so basically we've got a maximum of that's twenty one. So we've got seven spots. So well, the, the the contenders for centre: Ollie Lawrence, Jonathan Joseph, Joe March, and Cam Redpath that we've identified. Yeah. So you go with Joseph because he's proved himself well hasn't proved himself but he has played wing he's played wing so there's an extra thing yeah. for you so Jonathan Joseph is in that's 22 um, Ollie Lawrence I think he did enough in the autumn to, to be retained didn't he yeah he did yeah you can't say he didn't um, he was only asked to defend apparently they weren't even working on on, uh, on attack so how would we ever know so if that's the case that's 22 is there any space for one more centre yes but I'd play him at fullback Elliot Daly So you would just yeah. have, you would just have you would have four centres: Farrell, Farrell, Slade, Joseph Lawrence. Farrell, Slade, Joseph Lawrence. Yes, I think so. That's quite a, quite a good balance there, to be honest. Well, if yeah. you like thirteens, like it's very well balanced. <laughs> if you like tens and thirteens with no twelves, I don't think of anything more balanced. So that and is, then, that, and then that's, we've that's got twenty-two players. Then isn't it? Do you know what? Get rid of one of those thirteens. Uh, at this point, probably, probably Joseph, and bring me Redpath. Bring Redpath in. Joseph for Redpath. Um, Joseph could go into one of the wing slots. I mean, he started there in the autumn internationals. Yeah, I'm, I'm not picking Redpath above, above Joseph. I'm not, I'm I'd, not. I'd like to see if it, there was more um, slots available. I'd definitely like to see Redpath in the squad. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a completely arbitrary number anyway, so just bring him anyway. <laughs> so I, I I get, with with the Farrell, Lawrence, Slade and Joseph, I get that as up to 23 players. Yeah, correct. So we've got five slots for the back three. Okay. Daily, so, May. Daily, May, Watson. Watson. In. So then, then we've got yeah. two more to discuss. Malins, uh, uh, he's got to stay nice. in. Nice. Uh, yeah, because Watson... 
Watson for me can only be considered as a winger. I, I, I'm I can't, totally with you. I can't have Watson as a as a fifteen. So we need another fifteen alongside Hammersley. Daly. So Malins. Oh, Malins over Furbank. Yeah, and over, over and over oh. uh, Steward. Yeah. Yeah, and over Sam James. Yeah. And and Luke James. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. What are you going to say? Any room for an absolute wild card? So we've got one spot left. Adam Radwan? We've got Radwan. One, we've got one spot Johnny... left that the contenders for the wing for the final wing spot would be well, players that he has picked before Ollie Thorley in the Look. autumn. Yeah. Rory McConaughey. Um, yeah. Yes. He has picked before. Who else? Who else? Who else? Thocken a singer. Thocken He's a not singer. really playing. Absolutely not. Um, um, other contenders. And then you've got guys like Radwang and a dog woo that have been impressive in terms of form and for their club side. What happens, right, if Johnny May gets injured and you need a completely unpredictable wild winger? Who do you call up? You call up Radwang? Uh, possibly, yeah. 100%. He is basically, he's just Johnny May. He's, just, he's Johnny May Mark too. I want, he... without Manu, without Manu in the side... And as you've identified, there is no like big solid twelve. I think the ball carrying like Jack Knoll, if he was fit, would be my fifth one. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and, good and, point. And without Jack Knoll, I'd in I'd, back row. I, or? I think Ollie Thorley. Uh, yeah, but uh, is he in, is it, he's injured, mate. Ollie Thorley. Well, I've not seen him for Gloucester. I'm pretty sure he's yeah, injured. he was he was due to be on the bench for Gloucester about two weeks ago and dropped yeah. out before the game. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure he's hurt. He's not. Assume, he's not played assume, for a while. Assuming he's fit, I pick him. Well, assuming he's fit, you assuming he's fit, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pick him at all. You'd have to assume that Noel's fit as well. You can't just assume one of them's fit. All right, no. If, if I've already said, <laughs> if Noel was fit, I'd pick him. Okay. Well, then you can't pick. And, if, uh, and then, and then I would leave Thorley out of yeah. a twenty-eight man squad. Correct. But if Noel's out, I want Thorley in. Uh, Denny Solomona, he's picked him before. <laughs> he's played him. He's played him. Marlon Yard. Marlon Yard picked him before. Yeah, Mike Mike Brown has started on the wing there you for go. England before. He has. Who's your who's your fifth man in the your final slot, Phil? I love Oli Thorley. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do. I, he he um he has the problem though, and it's the Will Addison curse that he plays the game just too damn hard. Mm. He 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 can't switch off for a second. So he they're the kind of players who will be consistently injured because they can never give less than hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. He, ne- would, he never uh, ever says your man, does he? Ever. <laughs> All my men. No. <laughs> no, but I, I love Thorley. I think he is class. He, he's rapid, he's strong, he reads the game well, good under a high ball. And, he, he's got ev- everything. Yeah, and Radwan Anadogu did score some great uh, individual tries, but let's not forget, if you want individual tries, the best highlight reel of any... Premiership winger in recent memory is Ollie Thorley's from last season. Ollie Thorley's My goodness incredible. me! Um, yeah, I, I, do you know what though? I also like McConaughey, so uh, you know, kind of a friend of the show, Dunbarby Dungeon. I'd like to see him get an extra couple of twenty grands, so I'd go with McConaughey. <laughs> it's they took a twenty-five percent pay cut, so it's only about seventeen grand. Bloody hell! Is that you, all? You God. Uh, you only. wouldn't work for BT Sport on that. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't show up. <laughs> So there, there is our 28-man squad. If you have any wild disagreement, well, you know where to find us. We're contacteggchasers at gmail.com and we're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Indeed. Uh, the only things we haven't really mentioned, but we talked about Alex Anderson lots last week. That was confirmed. Yep. And 
Uh, yeah, have either of you had any change of heart over that? No, I'm exactly, exactly where I was when we spoke about it last week, which is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Same reservations about him as I have about Borthwick and uh, the, the other guy. Gustard. Gustard. Uh, I mean, people are saying that he's the best of the bunch, but there again, you know, it depends who you talk to because a lot of people think that uh, Borthwick is the best best of the bunch. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, so number twos don't always make good number ones, but I'm, and I'm very, very worried about that. To, to, to be honest, and that—that's the key for neutrals. me. That the key for me is how they integrate him, and I think I think he'd be—he comes across as an amazing leader, um, he, the kind of guy who will get the squad firing, fired up, uh, and performing well. I think they've got to be slow to integrate him into the wider rugby administration side of things. I want him more as like a head coach rather than a, a full DOR right. from the off. So just hold that thought a second, Phil. You're a man in a big organisation, and within your large organisation, you have uh, smaller sub-organisations, even within the main one, right? Yeah. So with a man like that, do you integrate him or does he integrate you? What if he has ideas on day one? Uh, it's it's a good question and it, it will be tough because um, he's a very, very confident individual as well. And yeah. he will not be used to being told, no, calm it down, rein it in, um, no, leave this to us. He'll be used to um, kind of whatever he says goes. So it, yeah. it's going to be a very tricky integration. That It would be fascinating to be a fly on the wall as... Uh, oh, Dor- yeah. Dorian West attempts to you know describe ruck discipline to him or something. <laughs> I, I'm more thinking the 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 wider administration um, of the game. Do you so, leave that sale. up to the the CEO um, who they brought in um, relatively shortly before Dimes left and leave very, very shortly before dimes incredibly left incredibly shortly yes yes uh, I, I would say this right sale is a very lean organization uh, it's got its commercial departments it's got the rugby department and in between those two things I used to sit steve diamond and he used to do an awful lot of that now they've mm. got a guy in a sid sutton i don't really know i've i've, I've never i don't think i've even I've, I've even met him so I don't know what kind of role he will do and how much of the Steve Diamond stuff he will take on. Uh, so, yeah, I, maybe there's a huge void there which Sanderson needs to fill from day one. I simply don't know, actually. I hope it's... I'm with Phil. I hope I hope it is purely on-the-field rugby stuff uh, yeah. that Sanderson is is dealing with. And Sale, it's an advantage from... It's a huge disadvantage from one perspective. It's an advantage for another when you're bringing in a new, new administrator... Sale don't have a ground to worry about, as in they don't own the ground. Yeah, so they get they, they literally turn up on game days and they leave after the final whistle, and that's it. So they have less organisation and less management than well, virtually every other club and that side of things. So it, it is perhaps a little bit of a simpler club to manage. The vast majority of their uh, turnover and expense um, or the, their costs go on players. The, the vast, vast majority of it is focused on that. So it is slightly simpler than some of the clubs. Yeah. yeah. Just throw him out there, see how he goes. But I, yeah. I, I, think, um, I think he will be someone which players will find it very easy to love. You hope so. And play you? for. I, I, think, I 100% agree with that. 
Absolutely. I'm going to keep my powder dry on this. And here is my reservation. Oh, yeah. What happens if he has different ideas to say, oh, I don't know, that whole body of South African players? Because they will have a very, very clear idea of how they want to play this game. And I just hope it all meshes together. I mean, I really do hope it meshes together, because otherwise, um, there's a lot of unpicking of a side that Sale are going to, going to have to do. Well, um, well, I would, I would say that the Saracens team, which Alex Anderson played a huge role in, in masterminding, they've played in lots of different ways. But the the one way they established their dominance and their success in the early days was just through a very, very basic, hard yeah. and tactically astute game, which would feed in massively to the weapons that he will have available to him. I tell you what, I want to I want to see high kicks and hard kick chases. That's what get that's what gets me mega excited. So <laughs> I hope and we, here's a the last important question on, on, on this. Um I know I've told this story many, many times. But I believe that me and Phil were there at, if not the inauguration, certainly very at the very, very start of the phase Alex uh, Sanderson went through of wearing a wolf necklace. <laughs> Medallion. <laughs> yes. No, and I just... Necklace doesn't do it justice. <laughs> yeah. And I just wonder, what is he going? What will he replace it with? Will there be a ceremony where they take the the wolf necklace off and give him the... smelt it and then recast it as a shark? Love it, love it. Yes, <laughs> I want it, and I want it to be done in a in like a in a, in a dungeon <laughs> with torch fire torches. I think that's fair. And, and an old man in one of those old you... me- medieval hats casting it into a, a little stone. But where would it be? Like, I know you want medieval tilts. I, I, I have scenes of, like, the Iron Islands um, in Game of Thrones. That, oh, that, yeah. That'd be the scenery. Because you've got to get rid of the wolf thing, which is very foresty, and then it's now, it's all it's all naval, all nautical, and, you know, yeah, they should do it there. That's a great shout. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, yeah, med- Alec, keep an eye out. Med- <coughs> medallion watch is on, and uh, on that bombshell, I think we'll uh, we'll end this podcast. We uh, we do like you quite a lot, and that's why we've got another podcast coming. So hit subscribe in that feed, uh, and get your e- your emails, your thoughts, and stuff to us on email. Contact takechases at gmail dot com. He's at jbeardmore on Twitter. I'm at cocker. Phil's lurking. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. <clears throat> 